Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, I can see you're wearing Sony headphones. Very retro, very cool. Classy boy. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Going on? I like it. Very, very swag. Uh, I'm all right. I'm also wearing a, uh, a Shibuya shirt. Shibuya! Oh, Shibuya! Well, flag. Very exciting indeed. Yeah, good, man. I have uh, started the day uh, by eating tiramisu. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> when we look back and go, why did Pete die at 50? Well, he eats tiramisu for breakfast, for crying out loud. Uh, Chris, um, <laughs> bad news, sad news. Doesn't look like you're going to be uh, making it home for Christmas like uh, Chris Rea. Well, the good news is, I love that song. The good news is I found a, a restaurant that does lasagna and I had a great lasagna. And then I, t- then I discovered that I probably can't, home, can't come home for Christmas for the first time in two years because there's some new variant called Oh My Cron or Oh My God or something. And it's going <laughs> to kill us all and destroy the world. And basically, yeah, if I come to the UK, there's no guarantee I'll be able to come back. And at mm. the moment, I think from what I understand, if I do come back, I'll have to sit in a government-controlled hotel building for two weeks, which mm. is not something I particularly want to do. So, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like UK, big plans, the thing that's kept me going, the thing that's kept me motivated the last three months is in the bin. So I'm not very happy mm. about that. Bollocks. No, it doesn't seem ideal, does it? And it's, it's just come at a bad time. If you if your flight was like two or three weeks away, you might have mm. a bit more of an idea what's going to be going on because it, this is very new. It may be incredibly transmissible, but it also could not be It could be not as damaging as the previous ones. It could be gassing out, so to speak. Uh, the vaccines may very well uh, be, mm. be, be okay with it and, 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 and restrict its, its spread. It's, it's all up in the air at the moment. It's just come at a really weird time. What I hate about it is, is that um, it's forever sullied the video game Omicron, the No Man's Soul, the David Bowie video <laughs> game from the 90s. Um, everyone's slagging <laughs> off Omicron, and I seem to recall it being a really fun little romp with some exclusive David Bowie tracks. <laughs> that sounds quite good, Dotted. actually. That sounds yeah, really good. It was, really, it was very good, very sexy. Uh, but, uh, Chris, in the meantime, I have been watching your video with uh, Ryotaro uh, hanging ah, out with yes. the little Akita dogs. I mean, I mean, not little Akita dogs. They're flipping Bloody massive. Big. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we. I, I just literally was editing that video till six a.m. this morning. You know what I'm like. Mm. I the video is never quite done up until the last minute. I'm still editing it. I'm still mm. doing a punch in. I'm still putting in some music. I'm still putting the sound of a dog barking sound effects. Like I'm always doing it, and I'm always finishing like a stupid o'clock in the morning. But it's done. I'm happy, and uh, yeah. it's nice to have Riotro back for once. On the, we haven't really seen much of him this year. I think we've, he's been in like three videos. We've used right. him very sparingly this year, um, but it was it was nice. We actually shot that video, I think, back in summer, but I've mm. just sort of been putting it off until now. And uh, mm. yeah, the the main, I mean, it's it's the right video. I think the reason I postponed it was there's no killer contents, so to speak. Right in the world of YouTube, Pete, you need the killer contents. Or Chris, there's happening. like loads of cool dogs. What's wrong with you? It's not killer contents, though, is it? <laughs> that I think is they, pretty cool killer content stuff, mate. <laughs> they use they use that expression in Japanese as well. I remember killer content speaking. Yeah, it's like kira contents or something like that. It's pretty cool. That's where I get it from. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the the main part of the video was chicken. And if I if mm. I have to have any criticism about that video. 24 hours in Akita, there wasn't enough chicken. It was like four skewers. There wasn't enough chicken. Okay. Not enough chicken, <laughs> Rubbish, mate. You do More love chicken. a bit of chicken. Why is chicken such a great bedfellow for the, the, the scallion, the, uh, the, old, uh, the old spring onion? It just always seems to be next to the chicken, there's always just a bit of bloody scallion. Bore off. Give us something it just, else. It, it's gonna it sort of cleanses the palate. You got the chicken, which is kind of salty, savoury, umami flavour, mm. and the you know the leek sort of cleanses the palate. It's supposed to be good for digestion, um, which mm. chicken most certainly isn't when eaten in lots of quantities. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good trip. I'm sure we're back in Akita soon. I I love Akita, yeah. and uh, I felt like it was a very short video. We could we could do better, and we could do more. So I'm sure we'll, we'll be back there. Um, and I've just come back from. Uh, Hokkaido doing mm. a sort of journey across Japan special spin-off with mm. Joey and Natsuki where we ate a lot of food and that'll be coming out in two weeks. That should be a lot of fun as well. Um, we experienced the first snows of winter. Um, nearly had a car crash in the first snows of winter as well. All <laughs> car incidents I have in Japan seem to happen in Hokkaido, whether it's running out of fuel or skidding in the snow off a bridge. Mm. It's always Hokkaido, isn't it? But I love Hokkaido, and it was good fun. But uh, that'll be coming out in about a fortnight. Well, you were giving it the big lick saying, uh, once again, trying your best to bite off more than you can chew. And I think I voted, actually, (laughs) on your Twitter poll whether to uh, release a a, a video a day up until Christmas. And I I voted no, because I know what your mental health is like. (laughs) <laughs> I have the best mental health. What are you on about, Pete? I I, I think I'm going to do the 12 days of Chris Broadmus, and it's going to be 12 videos. Once every two days, a new video will come out, and it'll be something cool. You know, it might be something in the studio, it might be eating some food, it might be eating some chicken, mm. it might be a live show. I just want to do something creative. I feel like I'm not creatively challenging myself anymore. Um, mm. You know, videos are just... Just feels like a bit repetitive now. Sometimes, you know, you stand around the camera, you say, "Hello, guys, we're going to look at X, Y, Z." You have a drone shot. Mm. You have a GoPro shot. You have a car. Like, there's there's a pattern. To don't it. tell any. Don't I, tell everyone your secrets, Chris. So this is how I'm you make an abroad Japan the video. Out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, you know, it just feels a bit like, oh, I've done that now, and I I need to sort of do something. And I've discovered I've got a little Mario Kart remote control car, and I'm going to strap a 360 camera to it and see what mm. happens. And that's 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 the sort of content <laughs> you can expect on the 12 days of Christmas. It, 
ride it around <laughs> the streets of Sendai just torturing people. This tiny little <laughs> to be fair, Mario Kart. That could be quite good. That would be, that would be quite cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, good Japan ideas, from Pete. below. Thick and fast. Well, which, what should I do, though? I mean, you're, you're relatively put smart. Little, you're relatively creative. Little, hey, oi, put a little camera <laughs> on the broom handle. Jam it down a sewer grate. Let's see what's down there, shall we? <laughs> oh, how many YouTubers go underneath the ground in the sewers with the Ninja Turtles? Come on. And how many YouTubers are going to get their cameras back if they do that? <laughs> how am I going to get it back? It's getting really cheap. Probably one. not. Some kids <laughs> Fly and run like... down the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I actually brought the drone here today and I'm thinking of flying it inside the studio, doing some little wow. creative shots. Creative, isn't it? Proper creative. Do you trust it? Do you, do you trust it to? Uh, did I? Did I tell you about the time I first? I first took off the drone. The first drone I ever got, Mavic Air. I took mm. it off in my apartment, and did I tell you what happened? <laughs> uh, well, I, I've I've let off a drone in a house before, and they are surprisingly oh, loud, destructive, and it feels like the world is going to end because just, it just creates so much of a yeah. gust. Pages, papers everywhere. Wow. It was it was really bad, and I, I mean, I, I the first flight I've ever done with the drone where I controlled it, I took it off in my sitting room, right, and it was hovering, mm. and I couldn't find out. I didn't know how the hell to land it. I know now, you just hold the you can hold the stick down, and after about two yeah. seconds, it will land itself. Or there's right. a button on the remote, and I didn't know that because I'm stupid. I'm like, I don't need to read the manual. I'll just fly the drone now, and I did it. And I couldn't get it down. It was really, really loud. And I imagine everyone in the apartment block could hear it and wondering what the hell was going on. Um, <laughs> so I tried to snatch it out of the air. But the drone had like an obstacle that. avoidance in it, right? And it, it evaded my hand. It did like a, a manoeuvre. <laughs> Every time I went to jump and get it, it did like a manoeuvre and yeah. avoided my hand. So I got really aggressive one time. <laughs> and I jumped up really fast, snatched it out of the air, but I failed and my finger went through the blades of one of the propellers and mm. it like chopped off the top of my finger. But I, st- I, and I was like pulling the damn thing down out of the air with all my life. One of my fingers had been mm. like chopped off. There was blood spraying up the walls. And I was like, ah! And eventually I sort of like yanked it out of the air and flipped it over, at which point it switched off. But it was, it was a real... Moment of horror. Man versus machine. Blood up the walls. Terminator had burst into yeah. my sitting room when all was said and done. But I, I learned a yeah. lesson that day. Don't try and grab a drone out of the air if no. you're smart. I mean, oh, the, the only time I've ever seen you fly a drone, uh, you had a carrier bag with you full of replacement uh, blades <laughs> for, for another drone that you'd absolutely uh, wankered. If you excuse my French. That's true. That's very yeah. true. And of course, we, yeah, we couldn't fly that day. It was too windy or something. I remember. <laughs> Bloody drones, but I do love them. Bloody Get drones. yourself a drone. Get one for Christmas. Get the Mavic Pro 3. We've got a story yeah. this week from, uh, doesn't say their name, but maybe doesn't we'll find it in the story. Hi, Chris and Pete. <laughs> Big fan of the Abroad in Japan multiverse. My brother and I grew up here in America, but our mother is Japanese, so we'd often visit growing up. A whole side of the family is in Oita area, mainly Beppu. Uh, one year, beautiful place, Beppu, beautiful hot spring resort. Uh, Do- Dogen lives there, the famous Dogen. Uh, one year, my brother and I went just by ourselves to Japan and we went through Tokyo, Kyoto and Hiroshima for the first time. 
but made sure to spend a week down south to see the family. Our mum has an old friend named Otsusan, whose nickname growing up was Osan. Otsusan owns a small rice farm where he and his friends grow rice and make their own artisan sake. Ooh, sounds good. Ooh. When we're visiting, he suggested us coming to the farm to show us how to farm rice. Keep in mind, I don't speak much Japanese. My brother sure thinks he does. So we drove deep into the mountain back country to a small village. We pull up in his farmhouse and he tells us to wait in the clearing adjacent. One by one, Families in cars started showing up, none of whom we recognise. They all kind of give us that polite but confused look of, who the hell are these foreigners? But don't talk to us. Eventually, maybe a few dozen people end up gathering where we waited and all got in a circle as Otsusan debriefed them all. Turns out a typhoon had flattened all of the crops so their machines couldn't harvest them. So he asked his whole village to come out and harvest it by hand. And apparently this is what we actually had signed up for. Four long hours of back-bending mud-filled work in the hot, humid sun, not being able to communicate and no way to leave as we were in the middle of fucking nowhere. We were harvesting that super traditional style where you make them into bunches and toss them onto stands made of wooden poles. I had this older gentleman always behind me yelling at me whenever I did things wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, mate, I'm supposed to be on a vacation here. I'm doing my best. There was a moment of respite, however, when I saw a group of people bringing over a huge water cooler. I thought, finally, I'm so thirsty and hot. Uh, I waited in a long line to drink, but almost spat out the drink immediately. I was expecting cold, refreshing water, but I was met by the bitter taste of hot tea, Mugicha. Uh, who the hell drinks hot Mugicho on a hot day in a field? Needless to say, <laughs> I left some of myself in that muddy field, but it was all worth it in the end somehow. While most of us were working in the field, the rest of the families were cooking up a feast of kariage chicken and vegetables and a beautiful tasty rice. Uh, all the ingredients were brought in by the other farmers, and during the meal, each family took turns to stand up and give a small speech. My brother and I didn't understand anything, but Otsusan would point and say, those guys brought the chicken. Those guys brought the eggplants and so forth. Needless to say, it's one of the best meals I've ever had. All the best. Peter from Virginia, USA. There you go. Pete from Virginia. What a lovely story. Uh, no real morals there. Just a story <laughs> don't about be some rice into in manual labour. I mean, the moral is don't be tricked into manual labour through a lack of uh, Japanese. I mean, you know, like, I mean, getting given like hot barley tea to drink in a rice field yeah, after that. you've just been working bloody hard. Like, you, you know, they say like that hot drinks cool you down. Bullshit. Absolute nonsense. Everyone knows that's not true. <laughs> but it's just kind of like, yeah, I, it, I mean, it's not ideal, is it? You, you're on holiday and then you just get absolutely press ganked into working in, Screw in a that. field for a little while. But look, the food at the end of it the drink at the end of it was the best meal i've ever had because they'd work for it they'd achieved something that day i think yeah <laughs> that's 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 nice that's beautiful yeah uh, i like that idea though of just inviting a friend over and then being like oh look the wall needs papering in the studio <laughs> and look there's the there's the paper there if only you were yeah. to do it but it does feel like borderline exploitation but at least it yeah. was a free meal at the end of it so just be careful <laughs> i think that's the moral of the story be careful when someone just invites you to their farm after a typhoon. Um, I think it's kind of nice though, right? It shows you the sort of the village spirit of rural mm. life in Japan. Like Let's there's so picked. many of these kind of rural villages and communities around the country. Like you'll be driving through the mountains, you'll see like a cluster of houses. There won't be any convenience stores. There won't be any shops. There won't be any fun nearby. And you just think, mm. how the hell do these people live? Like mm. in the UK, I'd say we don't really have that way of life, that real sort of rustic traditional uh, sort of backwater way of life. You know, there's a maybe because it's not a mountainous country and we're always near a shop or something. But in Japan, you do stumble across. 
villages and communities that look sort of untouched from the 20th century. And uh, you wonder how they live and how they get by. But it's a beautiful thing. And uh, half the fun, I think, of exploring the countryside is coming across these sort of communities, usually with very elderly people and no future in sight for the town, sadly. Um, a bit like Akita. It's a bit like that in Akita. Yeah. But the um, but I guess you you do see them sometimes in 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 England. I think certainly sort of driving around. But uh, Harley Pool again. Isn't there's it? well, I mean, try if you ever go to a wedding and it's like in a barn in some farmer's field, and you're like, I mean, they've diversified there because this barn looks like it's seen better days, and all they've done is put some bunting up, and suddenly it's a wedding venue that they can hire out for ten thousand pounds <laughs> a bloody time. <laughs> Beautiful. Try getting a taxi. Beautiful way of life. Can't get one. <laughs> a beautiful way of life but not as beautiful as the place uh, a town called Susami a small fishing town in Wakayama cool. and our story of the week is pretty cool actually there's an underwater mailbox in Susami which is a, a fishing community in Wakayama quite a rural place and they collect 1500 pieces of mail every year and it's mm. supposed to be the deepest the world's deepest underwater post box uh, and it actually accepts mail. Um, it's located 10 <laughs> metres deep and is officially recognised by the local postal office in Susami. People can buy postcards nearby that are waterproofed by using oil-based paint and then either dive underwater by themselves after training or hire one of the local divers to deliver it to the post box. There's approximately <laughs> 1,000 to 1,500 pieces of mail that are delivered to the box every year. The mail is collected by an employee of the local store that sells the waterproof postcards, and then it gets delivered to the post office every few days. And the local store uh, is owned by a diver, uh, Yamatani-san, who specialises in, uh, in diving. Why is there a mailbox submerged 10 metres deep underwater, Pete? What do you think? Because what, every what be the rural town in Japan just has a fuck about every now and again. And they sort of say, <laughs> look at what we're doing. And we, and people talk about it. And then the international press talk about it. And we say, isn't Japan, Japan a fantastic place to go? Uh, because there's kind of there's this kind of nonsense going on. They're just dreamers. They're just people who know how to find an angle for their uh, remote fishing village. And, they, and they, they've managed it with this. I mean, I wouldn't suggest posting, you know, uh, postal ballots off in there. I wouldn't recommend posting medicine for your granny in there because it would probably <laughs> spoil. But it's only 10 metres deep. Do you really have to be trained to, to swim down 10 metres? I mean, I guess that is quite high, deep, isn't it? Yeah. Is it very it's deep? It's pretty yeah. damn deep, it is, trust it? me. I mean, yeah. I remember diving down like five metres and my ears felt like they were going to explode. Like 10 metres is, mm. is fairly deep and quite dangerous yeah. if you're not trained. But uh, mm. you're right on the money, though. They basically did it... Um, in 1999, they came up with the idea to promote the Kumano Kodo uh, network of pilgrimage trails that go through South Kansai and through the areas of Wakayama. Uh, apparently, prior to the underwater mailbox, the town of Susami, which has a humble population of 3,600, uh, it was just a small fishing town. They really didn't have much to attract tourists. And as a result, an underwater mailbox was proposed by a former postmaster. Um, and to this day... 38,000 letters have been posted to the box and uh, it's also got a Guinness Book of World Record for being the deepest underwater mailbox in the world, um, 2002. Apparently also to prevent severe corrosion on the post box. There are two of them that are rotated every year. Um, when one isn't being used, it's being repainted and cleaned. Um, I mean, that, ah, that's so kind of cool. As you said, though, 
there is this sort of mentality in in Japanese villages and towns that they have to always sort of one up each other and have like the mm. biggest, the best, the the sort of the most X Y Z in Japan. I was looking for some ideas for a video recently, um, and I I was I was looking over towards Kanazawa, um, mm. really nice town that I've yet to explore a bit more. And near Kanazawa, I came across a beach that had the world's longest bench, and I thought, is that content? <laughs> Is that a worthy day-long excursion to go and film the world's longest bench? Do a whole quarter of an hour film just set on the bench. You know, do the middle (laughs) for a bit, do the left-hand side for a bit, go under it for a bit. Oh, there's there's so many options, Chris. Think of the possibilities. the The sad truth of the world's longest bench is this one is no longer the world's longest bench. They've got usurped by, I think, a bench in Germany or Switzerland. So it's now like... The third world's longest bench. And then, of course, oh. we had the story, didn't we, a few months ago of the $200,000 squid that was just stuck on a beach mm. somewhere in that neck of the woods. Like, these towns, they have to sort of one-up each other somehow. I do think it's kind of beautiful. I would like to go look up some videos of this place now, but it just seems a bit ridiculous. You buy a postcard from a man, you give it to the man, he puts it in the mailbox, but then he also collects it himself because he's the diver. It all feels mm. it's like a Ponzi scheme or something. Give us the, the, give us the proof, <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things that you, it's not as if you can, um, it's not as if you can take a picture, you know, with the Kwai fingers in front of the, in front of the oh, post right. box because it's 10 metres underneath the water. So why didn't they just make a really tall post box that you've got to use a, I don't know, some kind of like a big ladder to climb up and and post it because at least you could see that and take a picture in front of it and say, "Look, Mum, I just sent a postcard from this really tall post box that's like three stories high. That's ten meters tall. What's it's, wrong it's with a that? Health hazard, health <laughs> and safety health risk. If I it did it, I'd probably drown. My, my just like the, <laughs> my body would be floating alongside the mailbox. It's a sad image, <laughs> but I think it's kind of cool. I I was actually looking at a map the other day of places I've yet to really explore. And Wakayama, Wakayama mm. um, is is definitely one of them. It's extremely mm. remote. Like to get to it, it's a it's a real effort and a lot of car journeys and train rides. But uh, I might give it a shot. I might head round there mm. now and go and have a look. Mm. We'll do a video. Interesting. We'll be, we'll be back <laughs> with the fax machine, guys, and your questions and stories in just a moment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back with the fax machine. What have we got from our listeners this week, Mr. Donaldson? We got a uh, message from Emre, writing from Turkey. I hope it is, and sort of isn't, the Emre who used to play football for Newcastle United. Hello, Chris and Pete. <laughs> I do Japanese voice acting as a side job, and I've always wondered oh, no. if Japanese people's perception of you change when they hear you speaking Japanese fluently. Given that Chris's Japanese is really good, that's, I mean, do, do you agree with that, Chris? No. <laughs> He's doing no, a funny no. face. Uh, have you ever experienced uh, a, a change of attitude towards you whenever people hear your Japanese? Or do Japanese people care about it at all? The accent and the right pronunciation and stuff like that. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Emre, from uh, Turkey. I mean, does that uh, is that kind of like a Nihongo Jozu kind of situation? Do you get a lot of that? I mean, people tend to only say Nihongo Jozu if you're clearly shit at Japanese. If you're like, Watashi no namai wa Chrissy, and they're like, Nihongo Jozu, Kurisu-san. And if you actually speak Japanese quite well, um, you tend mm. not to get that. I, right. I, I think if you speak Japanese, you'll, you'll, you'll get a general sense of relief from the listener. They'll be like, oh, thank God. I don't have to mm. speak English now. They can yeah. speak Japanese, even if it's a little bit. <laughs> so it's just relief, really. And and certainly open a lot of doors. Like people, they do open up a lot more if you can speak their native tongue. You know, I mean, how would you, mm. met, how would you feel if you met someone that couldn't speak, uh, you know, your native language, in our case, English? It can be a bit difficult, difficult to communicate, right? Um, so, yeah, I think if you can speak Japanese, it'll open a lot of doors and certainly have a lot more fun when you come to Japan, particularly at bars, just sitting in a bar, having a drink, <laughs> chatting in Japanese. There's there's nothing better than that. Um, mm. As long as you avoid the sort of the same repetitive questions, which happens at every restaurant. We've got one here from Mimi in Stockholm. She says, hello, Chris and Pete. My son is the oldest of five children. Their ages are 14, 12, 6, 4, and number one. Sounds like a lottery. sequence. it's an algebra test in the making my question is is japan a family friendly country do people bring their children to restaurants and shops on public transport sightseeing the young ones are not likely to understand the importance of being quiet on the train so to speak thank you for the podcast guys all the best mimi from stockholm um Mm. i don't know really if i had kids i don't know if i'd bring them to japan really uh, it would be a lot of effort and very, very expensive. I think I'm just thinking about the money, right? Just take take the kids to Disneyland and be done with it. I, <laughs> I don't know. What would you do, Pete? Would you take your kids here? I, Is it a family I've never, friendly I country? Don't, I've not seen. Yeah, I've not seen a huge amount of uh, kind of Western kids uh, on the trains and stuff. I think it's just because it's so bloody expensive. It's one of those trips that you can only really do when you're a little bit younger and got a bit more disposable income. But mm, yeah, it's. Mm. Uh, maybe, I mean, the 14 year old, 12 year old might appreciate it. Um, once you get in sub ten. 
again, I would say there's 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 less to uh, excite. But I mean, there's enough theme parks and things with all the cues you can eat as an English person. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. It's, a, uh, a... it's it's something you rarely see, to be honest. There's definitely um, there's some cool hotels and places springing up to cater for families though. Like uh, if you are coming yeah. to Tokyo and you're you're a listener with a family, there's a really good chain called Mimaru M I M A R U Mimaru, and they're kind of throughout mm. Japan. And the the hotel rooms have like a kitchen and a table and some sort of seating area, so it's good for like families. Yeah. You can actually cool. kind of relax in there in a bit more space. So these sort of hotels are springing up, which I think is good. Um, I think it could be good though. I think it could be fun. It could be like the ultimate cultural experience for your kids and they'll change them and make them better people. Just like living in Japan has done for me because I'm definitely <laughs> a better person now, aren't I, Pete? Yeah. I'm so much better. Thrice, thrice the man you I before. was. Don't want to know you now. <laughs> oh, you didn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very Got true. a message from uh, Emily on the fax machine. Uh, hello, Chris and Pete. My name is Emily and I am from the Netherlands. When I came across the article about Princess Marco losing her royal status because she married a commoner, I've been wondering how the Japanese view the monarchy. I watched that uh, film last night, Spencer. Uh, which is very good. I, oh, I'm not a big royalist, but you know, confused about it all. But uh, it was quite a fun mm. little, fun little romp interpretation. Um, are they being openly gossiped about in Japan? The Japanese uh, royalty that is discussed and criticised, like the British royal family is in England. And what are what ways are the monarchies similar and different from uh, from one another? Lots of love from Emily. Chris, do they talk about the Japanese royal family a lot? <laughs> are they quite gossipy? I imagine they probably are, aren't they? I think certainly Princess Mako and this whole sort of thing at the moment where she married this this man who was in debt, it, it's caused a storm. And now she, oh, in debt, she sort right. of left the royal family and is now living in New York. And she's been under a lot of scrutiny um, for that. Uh, but the, the emperor himself, I've, I've never really seen people gossip or talk ill of the emperor, um, just mm. his, his niece, uh, Princess Mako. Um, that they are scrutinised a lot because women, because sure. <laughs> yeah, basically patriarchy in Japan is very strong. It, it is, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty. I feel pretty mm. bad for how she's sort of had to deal with the situation, but uh, I feel like it's still not as bad as the royal family and and everything going on there. What was Spencer mm. about? Was that about Princess Diana? It was that weekend at is it Sandringham or one of the palaces, wherever they wherever they uh, mm. Balmoral, wherever they uh, have Christmas usually, where the whole family gets together and uh, basically Princess Diana oh, yeah. decided to. I think it's Sandringham in Sandringham, right? Suffolk okay. Well, well, bearing in mind that like. Yeah, it was it was whatever that uh, weekend was where she decided to uh, divorce Charles for various different reasons. But it was kind of like a it was an interpretation. Nobody really knows what went on, so they they basically just have a bit of fun with it. And it was a lot of fun, and uh, it wasn't like a straight, um, you know, kind of spitting image style impression of uh, Lady mm. Diana. It was all kind of uh, it was it was it was just one like nicely done, nicely done, lovely little film, lovely little film. Did it make you pro or against the royal family? After watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really know how I feel about the royal family, to be honest. It depends what mood I'm on. Depends what mood I'm in, to be honest. And that's why I would be a terrible, terrible dictator. <laughs> um, things would be would be very dependent on my mood and how much chicken that I'd eaten on the day in question. True. Keep mm. the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back, guys. Do it all over again in the next few days. But no matter where you are, out there in the big wide world have yourself a great few days and check out the 24 hours in Akita video featuring the great Ryotaro and lots of chicken it's a good one but for now guys have a good one see you then bye
Japan is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 